Hi, and welcome to another episode of FemPop. I, as always, am your host, Tanya, and with me today is special guest, Alyssa. Hi. Hello. How's it going, FemPop listeners? <laughs> so Alyssa is, she has so many titles, and I'm going to let her let her reel them off herself, um, and that'll give you a tone of today's episode. Awesome. Cool. So hello, my name is Alyssa. I use she, they pronouns. Um, I, the main thing that I do is a sex educator. I, um, I do a lot of things with that title, but again, the other titles I have, uh, sex educator, doula, sex worker, all around bad bitch. Those are like the titles that I like to, you know, claim. Um, and yeah, I think that, um, you know, just as far as like what that means is that I kind of, I really enjoy, you know, supporting people through the journey of understanding sex and sexuality and with an emphasis on like care work and being able to support people like through that sort of thing, through reproductive health journeys. So yeah. <laughs> Ugh, reproductive health. What? Is that something that this country cares about? No, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're very lucky in this state mm-hmm. um, to have like certain standards set out by the by the government, like about what is taught in schools and stuff like that. Um, I worked at Planned Parenthood for a little while as a health educator, and so yeah, we're lucky on this in this state. But like, even in this state, it's not great. <laughs> no. So let's uh, let's talk about that to begin with. So like. Sex education in schools. Now, I don't know what, I, I mean, okay, so background on our relationship is Alyssa and I, we have met doing theater as oh, yeah. 90% of my guests on all of my podcasts are people I've met <laughs> doing theater because it's the only way I make friends as a 30-something-year-old woman these days. It's a Congrats. great way to make friends. <laughs> I vaguely remember us talking about like um, where you went to school and stuff. But like, so my background for school is I went to a Catholic private school my entire life, therefore did not get sex education. End of story. That's it. That was my sex education. Didn't get it. Relatable um, content. Yeah. So, uh, what, what's your, what is your past sex education provided to you via a school? Yeah. So I kind of spent, um, my like middle school, high school experiences bopping between public and private schools. So I went to a public middle school and so they were mandated to receive, like to give us some sort of like sex education. I don't really know what the laws were back then, but all I remember was like in middle school, like my like seventh grade PE teacher, like literally brought out a banana and a condom and like put it on the con, put the condom on the banana. And I was like, wow. I feel educated. Groundbreaking. Um, but yeah, but that was, that was honestly, that was the, ex- the extent of my sex education because then for um, my first years of high school, I went to a public school. And then my last years, I went to like an ultra conservative Christian high school. And I went, I went to the Christian school and I went the year they gave the, it's not okay to be gay assembly mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And so, um, you know, talking to my friends too, like who had gone to that school for like you know, duration of their life. They, they had no one ever talked to them about any of these things. Like not even, not even like a puberty class, you know what I mean? And I think that that's a pretty common experience for most people. And so honestly, like I, I like to believe that I'm a cornucopia of, of information of about sex nowadays, but like that wasn't true until like maybe a couple years out of college because like and not even like I, I took a sexuality class in college and like that was like whoa <laughs> this is exciting I'm learning about things but like I really don't believe that you should wait till college to learn about these things because it's a big form of like 
harm reduction and, you know, just general avoiding trauma to be able to know and learn like basic things about your body and how it works and like basic concepts of consent. I'm a very huge proponent of teaching children sex education as soon as they can walk and talk because, you know, like developmentally appropriate sex education is is crucial and yeah I could rant forever but <laughs> oh yeah and that's why I brought you on to rant forever yeah so if, if you've listened to any of the Buffy if any of the listeners have listened to any of the Buffy you know me and my co-host we both went to Catholic school two separate Catholic schools she was in mm-hmm. New Jersey and I was in Virginia mm-hmm. um but we had like very similar experiences and so I think she might have had some sex education but I like literally zero yeah that that's it what we had instead was January was abstinence month. And so twice a week, all year, all school year, we had religion class. And so that month, those religion classes just turned into abstinence seminars. Mm -hmm. And what that was is they would show videos and I, 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 there was a surge of them that re-popped up on social media a few years ago. And I just laughed because people were like, oh my God, can you believe that people like go and listen to these. I was like, that was my, that was my sex education. Like that was it. Yeah. And like, because there's like, you see these videos and they're like from the nineties and eighties and they're like normally taught by a woman, Mm -hmm. which staggering, fucking staggering. And she's always wearing like a blazer and a turtleneck and like some chunky jewelry. (laughs) And the gist of the conversation is always the burden is on the girl Mm-hmm. you wouldn't want a piece of used gum. So mm-hmm. why would you oh, yeah, yeah. have sex before marriage? Because then you're just like a piece of used gum. It's like that, that one demonstration that like all the Christian like youth groups do where they're like, we're passing around this flower. And like, when the flower comes back to you, you don't want it because it's crumbled. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what is this metaphor? <laughs> Excuse me? And like, again, the burden's always on the girl. Totally. It's fucking yeah. always. Yeah. Like you were always the piece of gum. You were never mm-hmm. like the guy is never the piece of gum ever. Yeah. It's always the girl. And like totally. fucking kill me. There is like this very interesting I because you were you like grew up in the 90s, right? Yeah. 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 There was um specifically in the 90s, there was this really big, and I know you kind of talked about it in your um in your pop princess episode, because I did do the research. Um, <laughs> in your pop princess episode about you know, there was this massive push for purity culture in the 90s. That was like a huge, huge deal um, in like, you know, everything you were watching and listening to growing up. And I think that, you know, it's purity culture is very toxic um, and leads to a lot of like horrible things down the line in your in your adulthood. But um, I think one of the big things that like was super pushed as like a young person was this concept of like being broken or being like dirty or being shitty as a person if you like god forbid engage in sexual activity i think that purity culture like there's there are studies there are statistics done on like the kind of damage that that sort of like mindset does on young people and i think that you know for me personally we have a very interesting generation of queer queer youth who are just like you know, at any moment ready to just like talk about their trauma, you know, because it's just, yeah, it's, it, it was a very damaging thing to, to like a damaging concept to bring up, to think about, you know, like, okay. So if in this scenario, I like engage in any sort of sexual activity, 
then I am like worth less inherently, mm-hmm. you know? It's, it's just a huge guilt trip. Like mm-hmm. that's all it does. It doesn't, because the thing is, I mean, we all have to be honest with biology and that like, when you're a teen, you have like raging hormones, end of story, totally. like full stop. Totally. And, like, without the education of like, without the sex education and without even like puberty education or anything like that, you don't really know what's going on in your body. And yeah. like the whole purity culture, cause yes, I'm an oldie. And so <laughs> like, I was, I was like right in the middle of it in the nineties and like the whole purity culture thing, it like just guilts you mm-hmm. into submission because it's like, you're, you're going to be like the worst person in the world. And then of course, you know, like we talked about in the pop princess out one, if you see your idols, like Brittany and Christina and Jessica Simpson in particular, being mm-hmm. like, oh, this is how you have like the perfect life is you have to be like pure and celibate and whatever. Then mm-hmm. you try to live up to that. And then you're set up for failure. You're just set up for failure. End of story. Mm-hmm. Like whatever. Um, and so then you like, tra- it's like, it's traumatic because then you like internalize it. Um, and then you also feel like you can't talk about it because it's, you know, it, unless your friends are also open and honest about their sexual past, which they weren't encouraged to be at that time, mm-hmm. you felt like you couldn't talk about it. You felt like you couldn't share about it because you're like, well, what if I tell them? And then like Nancy Grace over here is like, oh my God, the horror. And then yeah. you're ostracized <laughs> from your friends. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 a uh, it's, a uh, it's gross. Um, yeah. That's the takeaway. Uh- <laughs> And, you know, I don't have kids or anything like that, but from what I understand, I feel like things are hopefully getting better in the education system a little bit totally. with it. Yeah. I mean, it's stuff, things are definitely, and again, like I only have the perspective of like education from this like part of the country, you know, obviously in different parts of the country, it's a very different landscape, but you know, I, I've spent time, I've spent like the past couple of years in a lot of different classrooms, like working with young people and I fucking love this generation and I love their energy and I love their like passion for like overcoming like generational trauma working with young people specifically like in like sex education has been really eye-opening in the sense that like it's taught me a lot about how we view things from such binary perspectives in sex if you even did get a sex education growing up it was about like penis and vagina sex right right and like you know I never really learned that like and that going back to that concept of like you know purity is like what is virginity, right? And like virginity is such a stupid, dumb concept. And like the concept that you're losing anything or like, you know, I don't know. But my point is, is that like, I think that something that I've learned in my like time as a sex educator recently is just the like, you know, how powerful it is to be able to support like young queer and trans people through sex education. They're not getting it in the classroom. I've learned a lot about like how to break down my binary way of thinking in, um, in sex and sex education. And I think that if you, if you take a look at sex and like, I don't know, your own sex life and your own sexuality, like at a, with a binary glance, like you're not going to have fun. <laughs> like yeah. you're not gonna, you know what I mean? Like if you're just like having sex in the missionary position to do the <laughs> Lord's work, like, I mean, good, good for you, I guess. But like, personally, like I, I like mixing it up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't like, if you're taking it as a, as an obligation, yeah, then, then that's like wrong. That Then you're kind of doing it for the wrong reasons. I mean, yes, yeah. procreation is a reason to have sex, but it is not the only reason. And I would also say it shouldn't be the primary reason. Oh my like, goodness. It shouldn't just be like 
okay, well, we have to have a baby. So we have to do this. That what me and my friends were talking the other day, quite literally about this concept of like, I can't think of anything more stressful than having sex for procreation. Right. <laughs> that sounds okay, right. That sounds awful. That sounds horrible. Like I don't want to be doing that right now. Yeah, as a like 24 year old, you know, I, I see like women on the internet or, and like, I, a few of my friends have gone through IVF or whatever. And like mm-hmm. heart breaks for them because like, I've, I've listened to some of them talk about how it, it does sort of take the joy out of it because you're like, okay, well, I'm on this ovulation schedule. And if the moon isn't right on a Thursday and I'm not mm-hmm. in a headstand, then it's not going to work out. And like, yeah. it's just stressful. And I like, oh, I just don't yeah. even, totally. I can't even imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm very, I'm very glad to not be, not be popping out babies right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I will never pop out babies. You can't make me and it's not going to happen. Um, we side note, we went to the zoo the other day Mm -hmm. and it was the best birth control. (laughs) Honestly, for me, being a doula is my birth control. (laughs) That's fair. Okay. So let's, let's get into that other conversation. Um, so doula work, uh, can you please Mm -hmm. explain it for the listeners who may not have even heard of a doula because honestly I I know what it is but I think that it wasn't brought into my lexicon until like five or six years ago so Mm -hmm. I know it's not actually a recent term but I feel like it's become more popular recently and it may be something that some people have heard of but not everybody so if you want to give us a quick and dirty explanation the the quick the quick down low on doula doula work doula life um so basically doulas are like what I like to call them is like emotional support people for birthing people specifically the the doula work I do is kind of full spectrum in the sense that I do like birth work so working specifically with people who are giving birth to babies and then I also do like abortion doula services which is you know helping people through miscarriage and abortion and that sort of thing the term doula itself is actually kind of people are trying to phase it out of the community um because the the latin like the the greek and latin like Mm. the origins of the word doula means female slave Mm. And something that I think is interesting is that like a lot of BIPOC uh, birth workers uh, are in this space and want to be in this space and should ne- and need to be in this space because right. I'll explain that in a second. But, um, but essentially doula is basically like someone who does the um, emotional support of, you know, supporting someone who's birthing, who does childbirth education, stuff that is just like basic care work for people who are going through the birthing process. It's a lot of advocating for people as well, advocating in medical spaces. Specifically, I like to specialize in working with LGBTQ birthers because especially like queer and trans birthers don't often get advocated for in medical spaces um, and that sort of thing. I am white though. And so I don't like to, I don't like to, um, you know, sign up to advocate for someone whose experience I haven't lived through to try to connect people with doulas who have that shared experience. Because I think, honestly, there's nothing, there's nothing better than having someone who understands you um, in that birth space with you. But basically, you know, doulas just do, it's, it's another form of care work for people who are birthing um, or for people who are going through, you know, different reproductive uh, life cycles. It's kind of how I explain it. Again, I think, I think at the heart of like the things I like doing as a sex educator and as a doula is like harm reduction. 
Um, I really love to be able to support people through difficult times or times of their life that, you know, maybe they haven't learned about their body enough and, and that sort of thing. And so this is a very rambly rant, but um, no, all of my, all of my podcasts are rambles. So just <laughs> perfect. Okay. Perfect. I'll fit, I'll fit right in. <laughs> Something that I, a lot of people don't know is that, you know, doulas are very important for like mitigating death rates for BIPOC people in birth spaces. For people who don't know, the Black maternal mortality rate in this country is at levels that it isn't at in like developing countries. Specifically, getting pregnant as a Black woman in this country is sometimes a death sentence and that shouldn't be a thing, right? Um, And I think that that's kind of what led me into understanding the work of birth space as like an intersectional social justice space. And, and that sort of thing. Everyone deserves a doula. I think doulas, doulas have kind of come into like the consciousness of people through like this thing that rich white ladies do when they have like a right. natural birth at a birth center, right? Um, which is, you know, great. Um, but at the same time, I think that doula care should be given to everyone and anyone who wants it or needs it. And unfortunately, pe- people have a barrier to getting doula services because of the the cost. And so for me personally, I do like my stuff on a sliding scale and I do, I'll do like volunteer stuff depending on the situation. It doesn't pay my rent, but at least, <laughs> you know, at least I'm helping a child getting into the world. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, okay. So going back to like kind of the maybe controversy is too strong of a word of the term doula. Is there another term that other people prefer? I honestly in, in birth. So birth worker is kind of like the, the prevailing term that like most people use something also that I think is really interesting is that depending on like what kind of birth work you do, you kind of kind of come up with your own like terms for yourself. Right. Um, I, one of my favorite things is that, uh, this one, this one person in a doula, like Facebook group that I'm a part of calls herself a birth witch, <laughs> which I think is like so cool. And so awesome. Like I want to be a yeah. birth witch. That's super cool. But yeah, birth worker, care worker, that sort of thing. People get really into, into how do they describe themselves sometimes. It's really cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's really fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so actually I found recently that like, I don't, I just like stumbled upon it on the internet because of course it's where I stumble upon everything these days. <laughs> Somebody was talking about being a death doula mm-hmm. and like it was, and I was like, I didn't even realize that that was another like avenue of mm-hmm. care, but I mean, it makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. End of life is, is a, is a transitionary period and having someone be able to walk you through it, especially if maybe you don't have like you know, the family or, you know, the people in your life that you, uh, that you'd like to be surrounded with at the, at the end of your life, you know, having a death doula is a really, is a really great way to kind of transition into what's next, you know? Yeah. It's like stuff that you don't think about. Like, I mean, at least I don't think about it like on a daily basis and it's just like a fascinating. My world is, uh, the world, the world I live in is, is filled with a lot of just like stuff that people don't talk about, but then when they start talking about it, realize like that it's like a very big and important part of their life, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. We'll kind of go back to sex education a little bit and we can, and also the doula work, I'm sure will kind of weave its way into this, but so how did you sort of get started on this path? Like, I think it's ridiculous that like, that it, it takes until college, because we talked about this earlier, it takes until college and then afterwards to really like be like, oh, this mm-hmm. is like what sex education and even like consent and whatever should be. So oh. how did you personally start on that little path? 
So I think the, the journey to get like where I am at right now in, in my, like in my research and in my studies and my becoming of a sex educator and a doula and someone who works in sex and sexuality was kind of like a, a me journey too, more than it was like a career journey in the sense that like, you know, we, we know each other through theater. And I yeah. think that something that was a big part of my life in my like early early or late teens and like early, um, you know, college aged was that my whole identity was wrapped up in like something, right? Like I had to be, for me, it was like being the theater person, right? right. I like went through some interesting like relationship stuff and like sexual encounters and stuff like that. I kind of reached a point in my life where I, I was like at a crossroads, like with mental health and with a bunch of other stuff. And I was like, I need to figure out like what I actually enjoy doing, what I, what I actually want to do with my life and what I like actually care about and not what other people want or need or whatever. And so, you know, going on this like journey to like learn how to become myself and take care of myself. um, Something that I started exploring more was my sexuality. Um, I thought it was straight for like a really long time. (laughs) A lot of people do. Yeah. 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 A lot of people do. And honestly, it's because there's a lot of reasons why, why, you know, that is the way it is, but come out in your own time. Right. But anyway, um, you know, part of that, like trying to figure out who I was, was discovering sex and sexuality. Being the, um, the person who came out of, you know, high school, um, with the, with the whole, like, you know, I need to like find a like man to like take care of me sort of thing. Right. I came out with that knowledge. And so I I ended up being in several relationships and situations that were like, not great. And I like, I was not, I was not orgasming during these sexual encounters. (laughs) And I didn't realize that I was supposed to be orgasming until I was like 21. Which is like crazy. Right. But like, that's, (laughs) I, that, that's also, I feel like that's also a thing with like the lack of the sex education that like mm-hmm. we get, especially as women and with the emphasis on the sex education, what little sex education we do get the emphasis being on procreation. Mm-hmm. None of it is about pleasure. All of it is about like the actual, like schematics, how to mm-hmm. like, this goes here and this goes here and then mm-hmm. it's done. And hopefully you didn't catch an STD. Like, yeah. Which is, it. which is so incorrect. Right. Which is just like, you know, I think that I could, I could go on and on about like politics of like engaging in sexual relationships. Right. Right. But I think specifically the concept that like sex has a beginning, middle and end and like, then like you're done or like there's a, right. there's a script for sex is so incorrect. Right. Right. Um, there, there is no set like for good sex, at least there's yeah. no script, right. It's, it's communicating with your partner. It's, figuring out what you guys like, figuring out what makes you, what makes y'all, what makes y'all nut. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, so in the fact that I didn't know that I was supposed to be having orgasms, um, I started experimenting with like sex toys. I like bought my first big girl sex toy because like I had like a tiny little vibrator that like I got from like a drugstore somewhere. Right. Um, the one that's like not as embarrassing to get because yeah. like you can get it at like Walgreens or CVS or something. And it's not like this big scary sex store because mm-hmm. like the thing is like if you don't have sex education and you're not and you again coming from my perspective of the 90s purity culture catholic guilt ridden whatever yeah a sex store scandalous fucking scandalous well it's like, shame around pleasure right like just like you said like sex education is not pleasure centered in school right. or in anywhere really and so yeah i think there's a huge shame around the concept of pleasure and 
I could go on about that forever. But wrapping wrapping up the <laughs> the, the original story, um, <laughs> basically, I started experimenting with sex toys, and I started having like mind blowing orgasms, and I was like, "What the fuck is this? Like, why am I not having these? Right? Like, when I have partnered sex." And um, so, in that journey. I started realizing, I kind of started doing like volunteer work to figure out like what I wanted to do with my life. And one of the big things I started volunteering doing was providing period products to people who didn't have access to them because, um, you know, I I had kind of learned about period poverty through a documentary I watched haphazardly and I was like, this is interesting, right? Like when I was doing that and like still like exploring like my own sexuality, I was like, no one knows this information. Like who, like who is sharing this information right. with people. Right. And so I started like giving like health, like sexual, like health classes, like reproductive health classes. Um, and I gave one to a group of women who had just exited the prison system who were in a reentry program and they were all like thirties and above. Right. Right. And I was like, I'm out here in, uh, in like my early twenties. Right. Just being like, Hey, you know, like, what I know. <laughs> this experience like was like what just like changed everything for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I was teaching these women just like basic anatomy stuff, right? Like the fact that we have three holes down there and like that sort of thing. And this was information that these women had never heard in their entire lives. And I realized that a lot of the cycles and a lot of the systems that a lot of these women were entrenched in and like, you know, ended up in the uh, judicial system for might have something to do with the fact that they were never taught some of these things, right? right? You know what I mean? And again, going back to the concept of like, for me, it was a really big, like sex work and doula work and sex education and all of that is just one big old like harm reduction thing for me. And that's what drew me to do it. And so when I, you know, kind of like, like left from there, I was like, I, I'm going to read every book. I'm going to like buy every sex toy. I'm going to like become the sex guru. Right. And that kind of like began my journey. And now I have a basket of like over like 25 (laughs) sex toys in my house. I like, I like hawk sex toys, like on the daily to people, you know what I mean? And like, it's a, it's kind of, it was kind of a weird journey because like, I never thought that like, this is some, some place I'd be, you know, like, I don't know, like I never thought this is where I'd be, but I realize now that like, this is, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing because this is what makes me happy. And it's what, it's, it, what's, it's what fills me with purpose. You know what I mean? Right. It, it's what fills me with like the excitement knowing that like, Hey, like today someone's going to do some unlearning and that's exciting. Yeah. And like, it's, it's so great. And like, I personally love that you're doing it because one, I think that you have like the best personality for it because to me, you've always been somebody that's very like open and welcoming and you get excited about this stuff. And like that, makes people excited to learn. Because the thing is, I think the other important part of education is that you have to have a teacher that is engaging and that is not a PE teacher. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? That's just like, this is how this works. And so, um, first of all, I think that you're the perfect person to be doing this. Um, (laughs) but second of all, I like, I, I agree with you that I think that this is like really important stuff and it kind of blows my mind that we as a society have taken this long to get here and mm-hmm. also there's still such a stigma around it totally. like there there's still a stigma like I know that if I were to go and do something like this even though I'm mid-30s and my parents are like in their like six late 60s I know if I said something like this my parents would just be like what 
of course crazy california hippy dippy yeah. like bullshit what are you doing and it's like no like this is important stuff like first of all it's like destigmatizing like women's pleasure which god fucking forbid we do that but also again i remember i remember when you were doing like the period product information and stuff like that and that's also such an important part of this because like especially in america even though it's it does happen here but especially mm-hmm. in america like people just don't realize that like periods something that every well we won't say every but like most women do go through in their in their lives mm-hmm. can be a death sentence mm-hmm. like if you don't have the proper hygiene if you don't have the proper products if you don't have the proper knowledge about like even just the basics of it like you can die from it and that's yeah. just bullshit and why 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 is this like such a stigmatized thing like because i know you know if you look at like politics and legislation when like high schools are or like government buildings are trying to get like free period products mm-hmm. and like the old senators are like no why why <laughs> do they get the period products for free <laughs> <laughs> i know it's like what it's at all it all comes down to this like like, and I, I personally am a bit of a, uh, communist. So, um, uh, yes. <laughs> I, I apologize to any of those who are not excited to hear my anti-capitalist rant, but, uh, if um, you're still listening to my podcast and you are not anti-capitalist, I don't understand how you're still listening like, to this podcast. Get asked. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense to me, but continue. But, but yeah. So I think that, you know, there's a reason why sex, sexuality, our bodies, you know, these things are all taboo, right? Because first of all, these systems like patriarchy, like capitalism, like institutionalized racism, things like this all, all have all to do with why those things are not acceptable, right? And I think that specifically, I think looking to Black women on this discourse is very interesting because just to like exist as a like Black femme in a Black femme body in this country like automatically like you are perceived as oversexualized as you know older than you actually are you are you know bad for actually using your sexuality you know it's it's just like a never ending it's mm-hmm. a never ending cycle that just like people cannot win with this sort of thing because if if we did then you know the the if if we had liberation right ultimately, you know, the old white men of, of this country would explode because sexuality is something that is sold back to us. You know what I mean? It's not something that we, it's not something that we can have inherently. It's something that we can purchase for an appropriate time later. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that, but like, honestly, I just like, whenever I think about, you know, people always ask me like, well, why do you think this is so taboo? Like, why do you think this isn't like something we talk about? Right. And like, and I was like, well, because honestly, like if people were given information and knowledge about, you know, pleasure and about their bodies and about their rights, um, as a person, as a person with sex and sexuality, I think that the whole world would topple over because, you know, the systems that we live in um, are invested in us not being able to claim those parts of ourselves inherently. Like whatever we can do to make Mitch McConnell's head explode, like I'm here for it. Yeah. And so, you know, if it's all of us having multiple orgasms a day because of these wicked sex toys we bought at a Mm -hmm. sultry store, then like, let's do it. (laughs) 
like I'm I'm a witch I'll put that magic into practice yes care I personally as another witchy individual something that I've discovered is the concept of like sex magic oh sex Um, magic here for it love it yes live it and I think that I think that you know I'm on I'm personally on a mission to make sure everyone's having good orgasms you know what I mean like that's my own personal mission um and I think that something that is like really fun and cool is being able to like own and claim your sexuality in a space that is spiritual. You know what I mean? Because like sex and sexuality can be a very spiritual experience in my personal. It's supposed to be at at some level. Yeah. We can have a whole episode later. We we can, we can hop over on which book later and have a whole magic episode. I'm I'm sure this like, this is like this, this interview that we're having together is just like all over the place with just like my random thoughts about like, this is what I'm trying to say. It, it does not matter. Like, <laughs> this is what I'm here for. This is what I signed up for. This is what I wanted. Cool. <laughs> That's why, like, every episode of Fem Pop is like seven hours long because we're like, and let me tell you about this patriarchal bullshit. And then we go on another rant. And that's okay. fine. So, yeah. So, kind of going back to the concept of like sex stores and like, th- it's so funny to me because now it is like, a huge capitalistic opportunity mm-hmm. it's funny because like and I don't know maybe it's just my algorithm <laughs> or whatever because like I don't know and maybe you're to blame maybe it's your fault specifically <laughs> but because I follow you on social media and I like a lot of your stuff or whatever suddenly I'm getting like other ads the targeted ads things. The targeted Instagram ads the targeted Instagram ads however I will say like there are a bunch of I don't want to say influencers because I'm not somebody that follows like traditional influencers. Mm -hmm. I'll follow like crazy makeup artists Mm -hmm. and who don't do like the traditional makeup, but do like the Picasso on their like lipstick or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, but like, it's funny because a few of them now have been like saying like, oh, look at this sex toy product that Mm -hmm. I have now. And I'm like, oh, are we, are we getting there in, in society? (laughs) Is that what we're doing? Are we, is that what we're doing now? Great. But also it's just really funny to me that like, it is sort of becoming like this, like bigger capitalistic thing where I'm like, oh, now that people have realized that they can make money off of, Mm -hmm. you know, selling sex toys and whatever, like now it will be more accepted because capitalism has entered the conversation. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. And I think I, I just like, I have a very interesting perspective on this as someone who like is a sex toy influencer and right. like is a uh is someone who has worked with other brands before and that sort of thing and the the concept of like because to be perfectly honest like one of the main ways I pay my rent is by you know being on the internet and talking about like sex and yeah. talking about sex toys and talking about x y and z and like I have this very like I have this very weird relationship with that idea of like look, like I'm like, I'm trying to give you information for free. Like, I don't think right. that anyone should have to like buy this information. I don't right. think anyone, like you don't have to pay, like you should pay me if you want, like, you know, right. if, you want, <laughs> if you want the correct pleasure, pay, pay, pay sex workers, pay sex educators. Yes. But my point is, is that pleasure is free and access to pleasure is free. And anyone who tells you otherwise is selling something. Right. Yes. And I think that, um, you know, sex toys are a great way to facilitate a conversation between you and your body about like what you like. That being said, I think that, you know, a lot of sexual wellness brands 
are exploiting sex workers and um, sex educators and people who talk about, who have been talking about this for a while now um, as like a cool moment thing, right? Like, right. you know, it's, it's, and it's all very, um, it's all something I, I personally have like a gripe with is this concept of like, we're making female pleasure cool. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, first of all, first of all, that is not inclusive of like everyone's experiences right. to begin with, right? Like the, the female orgasm is like, not like, I don't know. I think that we like, we make it seem like, oh, the female orgasm, like so exciting, so mysterious. Right. And I'm like, okay, first of all, like we can all be having orgasms. Like it's not something that we need to like pretend is like this magical, you know what I mean? Shroud of mystery. Right. Surrounds the female orgasm. You just gotta, you know, like dill yourself a little and figure it out, you know? And I think the other thing that's like really shitty about this concept that like we're selling your, like your pleasure back to you is this idea that like pleasure is only for certain people. Like, you know what I mean? Like pleasure is for girl bosses. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like that just like, and like, it's only for girl bosses who do it like discreetly and like with a cute, like with a cute, like rabbit. Yeah. Like a cute rabbit. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah, I think I, I love that sex toys are like in the forefront of like pop culture now. Like that's something that's very exciting to me. Um, because I think that sex toys are great and I think that they're a great way to facilitate a conversation again with between you and your body about sex and sexuality. However, if I see, if I see Kim Kardashian hawking a sex toy, I will, I will probably firebomb the white house. Like, I don't know, <laughs> like what has For legal happen. reasons. That's a joke. For legal For reasons. Legal that's reasons. A joke. I do. <laughs> honestly, I think I'm on a government list somewhere because I do joke a lot about like suicide bombing, like, like fucking the uh nra and like other like (laughs) conventions of of white men um so i apologize joe biden out there if you're listening to this please don't arrest me um to the to the to the secret service dude that is listening on my computer yeah his name is steve we have a great (laughs) relationship because i'm boring and i don't know why he's looking but steve just give her a break it's reventing it's jokes don't it's a joke it's a joke don't add us steve (laughs) jesus but yeah i think that um i think it is very interesting to watch like full deal with their feelings about like sex in pop culture like in in the mainstream now you know because yeah. it is becoming more of a thing yeah um first of all I'm I feel like this already happened because I I knew that sex toy parties were a thing mm-hmm. I mean there's a fucking Bob's Burgers episode about it so like that's mm-hmm. how that's how like mainstream that is but like I'm just really waiting for the MLM like yeah. sex toy thing to happen I will be so upset like just <laughs> hey hun have hey, you heard hun. about this great new product I'll <laughs> kill everyone um yeah like said, sex toys for girl bosses god that's like an SNL sketch like waiting to happen it's it's packaging it's packaging like bigger concepts and ideas into things that like are commodifying ultimately the real conversations we need to be having about like pleasure and again another another like hill I will die on is that like black trans women have been doing this since the beginning you know what I mean yeah and like 
I just feel like every now and again, the media like picks up on something that queer black trans people have been doing mm-hmm. forever. And they're like, let's make it like that, but like palatable. And I'm like, yeah. ew, you know? Let's make it that, but white. So add salt yeah. to it. Like let's package it in the cute little white box and yeah. ship it off to all of our influencers. It'll be great. It's yeah. cute. It's unoffending. It's yeah. fine. And yeah, like, it's very interesting to see it, like, seep into the social media. And then, like you said, like, it's interesting to see people kind of come with this reckoning of sexuality being more in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And I just, when you said that, I just remember, so I deleted my Facebook, like, a couple months ago. So people, mm-hmm. if you're like, oh, my God, Tanya defriended me. I didn't. I defriended everyone. So you're not <laughs> special. Um, you're deleted, not special. <laughs> you're not special. I defriended everyone. Um, but I remember one of the last things and also like one of the things that made me delete Facebook because I was like I'm just fucking over it was the Grammys <laughs> and Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion like pole dancing I guess I don't know I didn't even watch it because I never watched the Grammys just people clutching their pearls mm-hmm. just clutching the pearls and like I remember like one of the last kind of like sort of debates I got on Facebook with somebody was like this isn't art, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, fuck you. Cause pole dancing is goddamn beautiful. And it is fucking art. And like, we have sex workers to thank for it. So next time some like skinny bitches on a pole and is like, I'm not a stripper. Be like, mm, fuck you. Yeah. And like, that was like kind of where I was going with this is like, it's been very interesting for me because like one of the social media things I do still have is TikTok because I love mm-hmm. looking at dogs on TikTok. Yes. But you know, you do see like these like very athletic and well-built white women doing mm-hmm. pole classes. Yeah. And like it's very sanitized and mm-hmm. whatever. And then like it's like we had a whole bachelorette party and we learned how to do pole dancing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. did you thank any of the strippers or anything you pay a black sex worker this week like yeah like would it okay and it's just it's this weird like I I fell down this rabbit hole Mm -hmm. of a fucking TikTok debate because a few of the sex workers on there were um annoyed because they were like it's sort of cultural appropriation what's happening to us because people are taking like our jobs and like well, they're taking the accoutrements of our jobs. So like the yeah. sexy outfit and the pole and the pleaser shoes and like mm-hmm. whatever. But at the end of the day, because you don't do that for work and because you don't do that for money, you can set it aside and you can like look down on it and be like, I do it for fitness, not for money. Yeah. And like that somehow makes you better than, and it's like that. No, we're not, yeah. we're not doing this. This yeah. is not what we're doing. <laughs> I honestly, if there's anything that I've learned, like in my like years of just like unlearning things Mm -hmm. is that like, if you like it, it's probably because a black sex worker invented it. That's fair. (laughs) You know, really fair. And like, I think that, I don't know. I think that that is just at the heart of a lot of stuff. But yeah, I definitely think that it's interesting to see, to see people compartmentalize sexuality, mm-hmm. right? Like when sex is acceptable, when being sexy is acceptable, when using your sexuality for X, Y, and Z is acceptable, right? Because I think we, we do a lot of compartmentalization about these things. Like if, I don't know, I think a lot of people will be like, well, you know, I'm sexy, like you know, in, in closed, behind closed doors and like blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. 
sex is something that is a very personal. It's a very mm-hmm. personal thing. I think that being able to remember yourself like wholly as like a sexual being, as opposed to just like, I'm sexy when like Brad wants me to be in the bedroom, you know what right. I mean? Right. It's like a really great way to like heal and unlearn the trauma of like being a femme, yeah. you know, because there's people do be wanting you to, to be sexy and to be, you know, whatever it is like for them for free when it's a convenient to them. Right. Right. But, oh, absolutely. But don't do it outside of that because you're a whore and don't make money on it because then you're a whore. Right. And like all this other stuff. And that's personally for me, what I love about sex work is I love reclaiming the concept of like, well, if we're going to live in a capitalist system, I'm going to like make these men pay to watch me because yeah, I, I'm too hot for you <laughs> to look at this for free. Like, I don't know. There's also a very interesting discourse going on in the world of sex work about how like, like a lot of like cis straight women like people like cis straight women are like having sex with like cis men like it's basically just sex work but like they're doing it for free right and I like thought it was a very interesting discourse because like you know some people were like very offended by that being like well like no blah 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 and like obviously if you're having sex with people you care about and like respect you and like you are enjoying yourself like living your life love your body right right but like at the same time I do feel like there's a lot of like emotional labor and sexual Mm -hmm. labor that cis women perform for cis men that like I wouldn't do unless I was getting paid like oh my god yeah I mean it's just it's really funny because again the algorithm mm -hmm. uh but there's so many times because I'm bisexual and so my tiktok algorithm is like Mm -hmm. filled with like LGBTQ creators of mm-hmm. all spectrum and every once in a while I'll just love it because one of them will just be like so I have a straight profile let's check in on the straights today and like <laughs> they'll just highlight a few that I guess if you're just like on straight bread TikTok like this mm-hmm. is what pops up and I'm like god damn are the straights okay like <laughs> do we need to check on them I, so something that I've been like discussing with my girlfriend very recently is this concept that I think I'm heterophobic and like <laughs> I don't, I don't want to like hate people. Like I don't want to like, you know what I mean? But like at the same time, sometimes I look at straight people and I just like think, are you okay? Like, do you need help? Like, I am so sorry. Like I could never, I don't, I don't want that. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, it's astounding to me. And I'm just like, and I like, it made me look at a lot of my past relationships and it made me look at, you know, honestly, a lot of my friends past relationships and stuff like that. Um, and I'm just like, and it, it goes back to what you said, like, oh, cis women put in so much emotional labor mm-hmm. and it's, it's all kind of, and I, I think April and I sort of hit on this in the manic pixie dream girl episode mm-hmm. of femme pop, where it's just like, you try to be the cool girl mm-hmm. because like, that's like, you have to emotionally change yourself and your like, whatever, mm-hmm. so that this fucking Chad will Mm -hmm. like be in a relationship with you but then like at the end of the day like what's the fucking point yeah like you're not having an orgasm with him because he doesn't give a shit about your pleasure Mm -hmm. and then like you're basically changing intrinsic values about yourself in order to like be with this quote-unquote cool guy and it's just yeah Yeah. and I think the biggest advice I could ever give anyone ever is that have sex with people who are invested in your orgasm you know 
I think that a lot of people have sex with people who are not invested in their orgasm and like, I'm not interested. I'm not like, I've done, I've done some of those. I've done, I did a two-year relationship with one of those and I'm like, I'm done with that. Like I'm, I'm coming. Thank you. (laughs) I, I, it was, it was very late in like my, I don't know. It was late in my life. I say that Mm -hmm. as mid thirties, but like, (laughs) when I like actually had a partner where like the very first time that we were together, like kept checking in with me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it was so weird at first because he was like, is this good? Is this okay? Like, do you want to keep going? Do you want to change? Like, and I was like, you're like, is this consent? What is happening? (laughs) And like, it was a fucking mind blowing. And like, it's just, and I see this joke all the time, but it's not even really a joke. We say it is a joke, but a lot of jokes are based in truth. And it's like, Mm -hmm. the bar is so low for cis men sometimes. Like literally the fact that he just like, mid-session was like checking in with me and was like you good like you need water like it's too much we keep going like what do you want to do like and I was like I'm I'm gonna orgasm from this question <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm I am literally coming right now like, what is happening it's true and I think that here here's a pet theory of mine and that is if we teach people at a young age how to communicate properly and how to, you know, ask for consent, um, ask about consensual touch. I think that we could probably live in a world free of chads. I think we could. And I think we could also live in a world, again, this is another pet theory of mine. I think we could live in a world free of abusers. And I think we could live in a world free of, um, you know, shitty people, if we teach people how to deal with their sexual feelings at a young age, if we teach people it's not okay to touch someone without their permission, right? You know? And there's simple concepts that I think, again, I like I was saying at the very beginning is that like, I think developmentally appropriate sexual education is important for everyone. And I think the very first thing that you need to teach young people is, you know, the concept of consensual touch. I think that a lot of, um, you know, when you're growing up as a little kid, a lot of adults just like give you hugs or like, mm-hmm. you know, do things like do not, not in a malicious and intentional way, but like in a way that like teaches you, especially if you're a young, like femme person yeah, right? that like, you know, this is, you're supposed to tolerate X, Y, and Z. Right. Right. Like people. the amount of times, like you see a, a parent, like coercing their kid into giving someone a hug. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh, just go hug grandma. And they're like, I yeah. don't want to today or like yeah. whatever. But then it's just seen as a tantrum. And it's like, no, you're going to hug her before you leave. And it's yeah. just, it's such a simple little thing mm-hmm. that like, I absolutely agree. Like we, that's, that's like a, a consent break and mm-hmm. we need to like teach them from a young age. It's the same thing when we always, it's like the old joke of like, you know two best friends have kids of like differing sex and then they're like oh it's their boyfriend and girlfriend like Brenda they're two I'm like what yeah I'm like why is that I I that is the cringiest thing ever I'm like what like that's yeah. so and I think also too like it, it assumes so much about your child right yeah. like it assumes a that they're gonna be straight b mm-hmm. that they're that that's their gender identity right and like right see that like <laughs> they they are gonna be interested in anything like that at age yeah. two you know yeah. what I mean like 
again, developmentally appropriate sex education for young people. Yeah, it'll hopefully get rid of the nice guys, which are yeah. honestly my, they're my scourge. Nice guys? Quote unquote nice guys. Like um, if you have to tell a girl that you're a nice guy, you're not a nice guy. Just, you're not. They're all of the guys that created the friend zone theory. Like <gasps> it's just, oh, you can't, like I, I actually told this story to one of my friends in person the other day, like, cause we were talking about like, you know, as women, we're not necessarily allowed to yell. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's generally not our first go-to when we're angry. Whereas guys, that's like immediately their first go-to when they're angry because yeah. they can't control their emotions. Cause well, that's the only emotion that men are taught to, yeah. to have growing up. That's the only acceptable emotion is anger. Yeah. And so I told the story about like, I've only yelled at two people my entire life. And one of them was this guy and I was in college and like, I thought we were best friends. Mm -hmm. Like I thought we were really good friends. And then one day he got drunk and told me, he was like, you know, I wish you would have told me you were never going to sleep with me. So I would have stopped hanging out with you so much. (laughs) And like, that was like the one time, one of the few times in my life that I've like yelled at somebody and it's just Uh, when I went to college, that was so much of my college experience, honestly, Mm -hmm. because I grew up a tomboy Mm -hmm. and I grew up with more guy friends than girlfriends. And so when I went to college, I did not, it never fucking crossed my mind that like, I couldn't have guy friends without Mm -hmm. putting out. Yeah. Which is gross. It's gross guys. It's a gross fucking thing and stop it. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think um, <laughs> that, you know, something that, you know, toxic masculinity hurts men. Oh, and, absolutely. And like, at the end of the day, I think that if you are a guy and you are automatically assuming that a woman owes you something, just like by the inherent nature of your friendship or relationship. Yeah. Like, that that thought process like is is going back to right when you're a little kid right and you are told things like you know oh well he he's being mean to you because he has a crush on you right or like things like that like these little things that that we allow that we allow young people to, to think about without like actually challenging any of those beliefs, you know, I think it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that, but (laughs) where we're going with that is just back to the main point of, you know, developmentally appropriate sex education, developmentally appropriate (laughs) sex education. That's all, that's all all we need. That's all we need y'all fix so many things. It would help us with the patriarchy. It would Mm -hmm. just help us with capitalism. God damn it. Like, I guess like one last little thing that I'll ask you and then we'll sort of wrap up, um, you know, as a sex education educator, um, and sex toy enthusiast and whatever, Mm -hmm. are there any, any things like whether it's website toys, whatever that you would suggest to our listeners to, you know, either open their horizons or give them them all the orgasm. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, okay. Well, first of all, I would say, um, if you're listening to this and you've never had an orgasm or you're looking to improve your orgasm, first of all, it's 
totally okay. It's totally good. You're valid. But I would say that for me personally, I think go, go follow me on the gram. If you have any like specific questions, but I think that something that I really love to share with everyone is that you literally can become the master of your own orgasm. And all it takes is just practice and like knowing yourself and learning about yourself. Right. And I think that um, if there's anything I could leave people with as far as advice or as far as like suggestions, it would be go by yourself a sex toy. (laughs) Um, You can, you can head to my, to my Instagram. There's a link in my bio if you want like specific uh, discounts, because if you can get a sweet, sweet discount. Um, But I will say that like, I think that everyone should have these things in their life. They should have a partner who's invested in their orgasm if they can find one. If not, you need to be the partner that's invested in your orgasm. Two, um, I think that everyone should own a wand vibrator, regardless of what your body looks like. I think a wand vibrator is great for everyone and anyone. Um, Specifically for me, it helps me get the the knots out of my neck at the end of the day. (laughs) I, people be like, Alyssa, like, you're selling sex toys out in this world and like you're saying you can use it on your neck and I'm like yes use the sex toy on your neck (laughs) um but yeah and then the last thing I will say is that don't ever let anyone tell you that um there's something wrong with your body or that there's something wrong with you for not being able to do what that person wants you to do in the bedroom you know I think that Everyone deserves an orgasm. And the only way to get there is by learning how to do it yourself. <laughs> Not sure if that's what you wanted me to say, but that's what I got to say. And whatever. We know that DIY is a huge craze right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. whatever, DIY orgasm, it's fine. Yeah. Even if you got to go at it acoustically, which is, you know, just with your hands, then like try it, try, try it. <laughs> now I just have a mental picture of like some guy with an acoustic kudhar going anyway, or his wonder wall. <laughs> anyway, <here's> wonder wall. <laughs> um, okay. So I am definitely going to tag you, um, in the, in the show notes and whatever, but for anybody who for some reason misses it in the caption or whatever, what is your social media handle? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Alyssa text, A-L-Y-S-S-A-T-E-X. Um, and I have like a bunch of, like, I wear a lot of hats. Um, and so I do a bunch of stuff. And if you're ever interested in learning about like more about yourself and your sexuality, DM me. If you meet a doula, DM me. If you, um, if you want to buy a sex toy and don't know where to start, DM me. If you just want to say hi, DM me. Awesome sauce. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming and having this conversation with me. Um, I'm sure I'll like bug you again. And if I have like more specific like, I, things than just let's have a rambling conversation, I'm sure. I I'll have be never like, been hey. more honored than being asked to be on this podcast. I've never been asked to be on a podcast before. And I'm like, wow, I've, I've made it. <laughs> yeah. Which is fucking ridiculous. Why people stop sleeping on her. Like she's <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the glowing endorsement. (laughs) Absolute delight. Um, Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks FemPop listeners. Um, Hopefully you learned some things today. And yeah, this wasn't necessarily super pop culture related, but guess what? Sex is everywhere. Deal with it. Sex is everywhere. (laughs) Sex for everyone. 
Um, all right. So uh, if you are enjoying listening uh, and your platform of choice gives you a chance to rate and uh, review, please go ahead and do that. Um, if you're not enjoying listening, I don't fucking care. You're still listening and I'm still like getting listens. So literally get out. <laughs> literally <laughs> no one asked you. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Why are you here? Don't you have better things to do in time? But I guess <laughs> fine. Whatever. Fine. Um, all right. And join us for the next episode. I don't know when that'll be. I don't know what that'll be. I have so many <laughs> topics and so little time, uh, but thank you and stick with us and we'll have another episode out soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>